our ship together, a queer woman of color debrief on the latest in queer lady and POC representation in television and film. I'm Aphrodite. And I'm Amira. And this is it, y'all. If you've not been watching One Day at a Time, this is our podcast episode devoted to season three. And we're going to- Spoilers gonna... ahead. Spoil <laughs> All the spoilers. We gave you a heads up. Yeah. You should know by now. And also, if you've been paying any attention on social media, every single one of your friends should have been yelling at you to watch One Day at a Time season three so that he can get renewed for a season four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's already seemed after season two aired- they kind of made it seem like it was on the fence to get renewed for season three. And thankfully, we got a renewal there. They still, like Netflix execs, agree that it's like a good show. But viewership is a little on the low side for their Ugh. liking. So we have to make these, you know, capitalist pigs happy <laughs> and play the game. Um, full shade at Netflix. No, I mean, I, I get it, you know, whatever. Yeah. But still, I just feel like a lot of people are sleeping on the show. A lot of queer POC would really appreciate the show. And even mm. if you're not queer, even if you're not a person of color, it's just a good fucking show. Like, it's just, it's funny. Yeah. Let's dive in. We're going to assume you've already been convinced. We're going to assume yeah. that, you, that we don't need to make the case for you mm-hmm. uh, and that you've mm-hmm. already done your, your homework as a queer person or a queer person of color. And if you haven't, then shame on you. Shame on you. But if you have, (laughs) please go tell your friends. Be that annoying little gnat in their ears, constantly telling them to watch one day at a time. Please, please, please let this show be renewed. I will be so sad otherwise. I know. And I've said this before. Even if it's like, even if it's somebody who doesn't like the show, just like, just put it on Netflix. Just put it on to have it on in the background because the views still count, even if you're not physically there watching. Amir and I were recently talking about how this might be the queerest season yet. Oh, for sure. For sure it's the queerest season yet. It was just so explicitly queer from the first episode. It's like diving headfirst into queer culture and queer issues from the teenage perspective of like how to first navigate these issues. And I really appreciated that because I don't relate a lot to uh, teenage representation in the media, but Mm -hmm. for this show, I was definitely like, wow, this was me in high school. Or actually what I was really thinking is I really wish I had this to watch in high school. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) the season opens with a funeral. One of the Tia's has passed away. We got two Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh, guest stars, and we got Gloria Estefan, who sings the the theme mm-hmm. for One Day at a Time in one episode. It was just like, pfft. I was really uh, pleased with how they were making the family dynamics play out, and especially Stephanie Beatrice's character, oh. the cousin. We got to see Stephanie Beatrice play a butch for butch lesbian. I mean, I know. What more what? could you want? Except, actually, I would have loved if Susan had some lines, her, uh, her wife. But I'll take what I can Yes, Susan was also the non-binary character who Michelle had that sex scene with. Oh. Uh, did you not recognize? I didn't. The toe-sucking? Yeah, the toe-sucker. Wow. <laughs> all right, all right. From Vita. No, it is, like, totally a Brooklyn Nine-Nine Vita one day at a time love fest Oof. across these shows. Love it. I don't know if it, is it butch <laughs> for butch or, like, butch for non-binary. I don't know. We have not seen QPOC couple like that before. My mm-hmm. first thought when I saw them was, like, wow, they look real. Like, I was, like, they look like a real gay couple, which is, like, mm-hmm. so rare. <laughs> it was also fun to see Stephanie Beatrice play butch. On Brooklyn Nine-Nine, she's not, she's not clear butch. 
She's more she's, like a, she's pretty foot somewhere in the middle there. It's the all black and the low voice and everything. She's a different character and a different type of queer. I feel yeah. like on TV these days, it's always you know super like high femme for high femme. It exists in real life, but like let's see a little bit of diversity. So it just reminded me of this episode of the L Word where they were on a cruise. And I was watching the actor's commentary over mm-hmm. the episode. And there was like a scene where they were passing by these super butch looking lesbians. And, and I don't remember if it was Kate Manning or Leisha Haley, but one of them just goes, uh, the real lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like that comment always stuck with me. Oh. I was like, oh my God, it's true. It's like whenever you see them as like an extra or something in the background, you're like, well, there we are, you know. <laughs> there are the real ones. Yeah. The, the mask of center queers who yeah. otherwise we never get to see. That's right. hilarious. Also, I love you for always watching the behind the scenes, like extras <sighs> you know and the I commentary. <laughs> I know. I know we both do. We both do. We really do. But this was just a really fun funeral episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, who knew an episode about a funeral would be so fun? But yeah, it was yeah. hilarious. It was touching. So Stephanie Beatrice's character, Pilar, is pretty obviously gay looking i mean we talked about that already she was very like butch presenting and Mm -hmm. so elena assumes that because of the way latin culture is and their family in particular that this poor cousin has not had the chance to come out and be herself yeah (laughs) so she takes it upon herself her the self-dubbed lesbian jesus to try to urge pilar out of the closet she does it in classic baby gay fashion Mm -hmm. like she's just like gay 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 me gay 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 yeah you gay 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 (laughs) me gay 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 let's gay 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 (laughs) that was an accurate recap (laughs) honestly it's just so awkward the baby gayness i know Um, i know it's just like so uncomfortable and pilar like she sees right through it when she tells elena like the stages of being gay i was like oh my god this is so true (laughs) i know i know i'm surprised pilar wasn't rolling her eyes the whole time elena's just yeah it's just it's one of those scenes where i'm like i know a queer person wrote this and it just like yeah made me so happy i can speak from personal experience as a baby gay, having done some weird ass shit trying to relate to other queer people who were older than me and wanting to like be friends or like win them over. And I would just like admire them from beho- from afar because like, yeah. oh my gosh, you're so much you older said than me behind. because you're queer <laughs> and 10 years older. And Elena's enthusiasm, I thought Pilar was kind of put off at first. Like mm-hmm. this is just, this is just a lot to push somebody to say or do something that you want them to do. Right. That happens a lot, I think, when straight people approach queer people and yeah. straight people who are like super LGBT friendly are trying to prove how how good of an ally they are by like trying to get you to talk about being queer and stuff i mean it was kind of annoying even though it felt extremely true to life and i'm just like god i was once that annoying oh my god i mean it's true that it's similar to how straight people approach gay people but it's also sort of generational difference i just think that a lot of like younger lgbt folks are used to wanting more older generations are used to being like oh no it's okay like i'll just sit here quietly Mm -hmm. not quite in the closet but i'm not going to be like in people's face about it i feel Mm -hmm. like younger people want to do the whole like out and proud thing and older people are like "Eh, i'm okay (laughs) 
You know, I sometimes think it's actually the other way around. Really? You know, kids are coming out in like middle school and shit. Mm -hmm. And the youngins are like, yeah, everybody's queer. So what? And then the queers who had to fight to come out. Now it's easier to come out than in the past. And so it's sort of, it's a very casual thing. But the particular dynamic here is very true to life. Elena is already out and just wants to have another person in the family. And it's hard to not want that. Yeah, Uh, of course. I mean, this is an opportunity for Elena to not be the only queer in the, mm-hmm, in the family. Mm-hmm. Although during this episode, we also see that little boy. Um, oh, I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Melissa Fumero's kid, son, is super gay also. He's very flamboyant. Um, yeah. <laughs> He's super like, duper cute. Like four or five. <laughs> I know. So funny. Yeah, I loved like the hand signal. You know, they, they put their pants up like, eh, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Yeah. And Elena's retaliation of like doing like the double hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was one of those episodes that I think a lot of queer people of color can relate to. I think a lot of cultures of people of color have this kind of stigma in common where like, you know, even if they're not like actively against it, it's just like you kind of don't talk about it. And uh, I love the throwaway line at the end when Stephanie Beatrice re- reveals that they had that veil or whatever that Lydia and her sister had been fighting over for all these years. And they were like, yeah, remember you guys like came to our wedding? And <laughs> Lydia goes, oh, I thought that was just like a really friendly barbecue. No. <laughs> <laughs> we find out later that Pilar has actually been out this whole time. Mm-hmm. It's just that people keep forgetting. And I think that is also a very QPOC response. You don't shove the person out or disown them, but you also stay in denial for like, Decades, potentially. (laughs) (laughs) This show continues to be relevant for not just Cuban families or like Latinx families, but just families of color in general, I Mm -hmm. think. I see a lot of things that I relate to culture-wise with this family in particular. Mm -hmm. I mean, we also find out that, you know, Penelope is her cousin who used to be her best friend is like, you know, a Trump supporter and homophobic. This particular episode brought out a lot of those different types of family dynamics. It kind of seemed at the end they had like reached a resolution regarding the homophobia stuff. And then (laughs) uh, in her toast, she made that pro-Trump comment and and you just see Penelope like slowly turn her head and look at her. And it's like, oh, no. Nope. The first episode started off already with a bang, a gay bang. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, not literal. That comes later. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) True to the form of this show, they tend to try to tackle um, difficult issues one episode at a time. Cute. (laughs) Thank you. And so episode two... Most people were expecting that the show would try to tackle the, like, hashtag Me Too movement stuff. I was really happy with how they handled it, and they they talked about it in the second episode. And the reason I was happy is because I feel like a lot of shows will try to tackle difficult topics, and they want to bring you the, like, you know, both sides of the story approach, and then Mm. sort of reach a resolution. But I'm usually not very satisfied with the resolution, because they make it seem like a very wide gray area of, oh, you know, who knows what's right anymore or like whatever. And it's like, okay, I don't know what the writers of those shows are actually thinking, but it frustrates me when they don't more definitively pick a side, I guess. So Mm, yeah, what I like about this episode, which is called Outside, was that they did leave it with a gray area, but the gray area was what are women to do when they experience this kind of thing in Mm. terms of like reporting incidences, or keeping it to themselves. Penelope says that women are in a lose-lose situation. And she says, if you don't say something, you carry it around inside. If you do say something, you carry it around outside. Mm. 
so yeah. I like that that was the gray area they left it on you know what I mean I feel like they did that right where it's like it's true like you you can't really say what's right for any particular person in that situation um mm-hmm. I also loved that they made the episode like a teachable moment for Alex but they didn't make it about him it was about the women and their stories and yeah. just sort of like as an aside Alex was learning from it. I think one thing that they did well with this hashtag me too episode was that they talked specifically about how queer women and visibly queer women Mm -hmm. are harassed. Yes. Um, And I think that's also what differentiates it from other TV shows that have tried to talk about sexual harassment. Queer women or lesbian couples are often afraid to be affectionate in public because of how they'll be fetishized and and heckled at. These kids are teenagers. They're just kids. And to have these like men on the bus follow them around and like egg them on to kiss. And that's definitely something that many queer women have had like in the back of their mind whenever they've walked in public with a female presenting partner. Whether or not it's happened to you, it's it's something that we tend to think think about. about. I remember, you know, going out to a party and dancing with another woman and just thinking, oh my God, a man is going to think this is an invitation. And it's probably best not to be physically affectionate at all in order to protect me and the other woman. That's like an angle that they took with this episode that they didn't have to, but they, again, queered it up wherever possible. And they brought in Elena's queerness into a storyline that could have just been about relations between men and women. Elena sort of confessing the reason why um, she and Sid have been staying in all day playing video games also prompted Penelope to share her experience as well, being uh, sexually assaulted when she was in the military. Because, I mean, we know unreported sexual assault in the military is a big problem. And I feel mm-hmm. like this was like a great example of a story where like the story made sense. Like it was, yeah. it was realistic. Like, I mean, of course it's mm-hmm. realistic. This kind of stuff happens all the time, but like, you know, she kind of explained logically and practically why she chose not to report it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it made sense. And the reactions were true to life too, because mm-hmm. Elena felt incredible shame for not fighting back, but also she and Sid were very scared. But that reaction, that that feeling of sort of shame and regret Mm -hmm. is something that I think many women or female presenting people deal with when Mm -hmm. they've been harassed or assaulted. It's just like you you hold it in and then you feel terrible about it. And even though you know it's not your fault, it still feels that way. Two other things I liked on sort of the men's side of this story. One, Alex revealed that he didn't learn this behavior from the usual creeps that you would think he did. He actually learned it from his abuelita, Lydia. Yep. who uh, encouraged him to keep basically pestering his now girlfriend, Chloe. And she said, uh, every no is a yes in disguise to, you know, horrified reactions from everybody. Else. <laughs> that was really well done. I mean, she was raised to believe that those kinds of behaviors, like catcalling, uh, she tells a story about how like Tia Mimi and Tio Rico got together and Tia Mimi was blindfolded, kidnapped, and woke up barefoot in a cornfield. And, you know, Lydia, Jesus. Lydia believes that this is romantic. And Penelope says, that is the plot of Taken 2. <laughs> oh, my God. That was hilarious. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, you know, I mean, there is like a generational difference. There's a cultural difference between people. And so you learn things. If you learn things from like, you know, certain sources, you may not be getting the whole story. And so, of course, Alex, thinking that, you know, his grandmother, of all people, is giving him like advice on the matter, thinks that it's solid advice. I mean, why would he not? So, and then the other thing I liked was also Schneider's reaction regarding the enthusiastic consent. And he sort of seemed alarmed and apparently, you know, like ran off and apparently went to call all of his previous lovers. And 
confirmed later that they all did consent. Uh, yeah. It was just, just very <laughs> underwhelming, apparently. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, which I like because, you know, it encourages men not only to think about the future, but also examine yourself and your past relationships and own up mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. mistakes you may have made. Again, I loved that it kind of it included men and women and queer women, yeah. but it didn't focus on the men. It's just really impressive how they deal with very complex topics mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In, a, in a nuanced way. I think it's difficult for a sitcom to accomplish that you have to remember yeah. that this is a show with, that has a laughing track and no they have coverings. a live audience what oh my yeah. god it's a live audience yeah yeah no laugh track for I... them no it's live <laughs> live reactions all the reactions you hear on the show are are live and unprompted okay um, well thank you for that yeah <laughs> thank you the writing is so good that they tackle these subjects and then like they still relieve the tension with comedy but it's like well placed it doesn't take away from from the depth or the gravity of the topic at hand when Elena talks about how they were followed by those guys after they got off the bus, Alex is like, oh, man, you know, I want to kill those guys. And Lydia goes, no, no, don't bloody your beautiful hands. I will. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I just love that scene, that moment where Sid and Elena are trying to teach the family about enthusiastic consent. (laughs) And it's like, may I place my hand here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know it was just I would say overall that episode was I'm gonna tentatively for now rank it second best episode of season three for for my personal list I mean really all of these episodes were fantastic I can't pick a single one where I was like eh, I didn't care for it like Mm -hmm. they were all top notch but as much gay as there is in this season there's not a lot of gay in every single episode but you know there are like sometimes offhand mentions of you know Elena talking about um, Sid, who is very adorably now referred to as her significant other. So cute. Yeah. And I love, like, Schneider came up with it. And I'm like, kudos to Schneider I know. I just, for that. I love when Schneider came in and he, like, brought his, like, list out. He's like, all right, I've been working, <laughs> working on a few names. Because <laughs> they were oh trying to find, like, a good non-binary friendly term for Elena to call Sid. Uh, because Sid was comfortable with girlfriend as of last season. And now in this mm-hmm. season, um, they said that they wanted a more uh, gender neutral term. I just, I love how Schneider was trying to help. And then they came up with significant other. And then Schneider adds, oh, you mean significant other. I know. <laughs> and they were it's like, just brilliant. Ah! Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. And I love that Schneider is like number one fangirl of the Alvarez family. Oh. In every possible way. Yeah. Like, He's just there like, no, I'm going to help you come up with your ship name. Yeah. Or no, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to help you come up with whatever you're going to refer, yeah, whatever yeah. name you're going to use. In episode five, so Alex gets caught uh, smoking weed. Penelope grounds him. So he's grounded for like the majority of the rest of the season. But it's kind of nice because I feel like the scenes he's in, especially with Elena, are like really like fun and like a sibling, a cute sibling kind of way. And then also in that episode, uh, Elena and Sid attend the opera with... <laughs> Lydia and Dr. B and Elena starts saying something about how like queer the opera is and Lydia's like oh you think everything is gay and then yes. she accidentally takes one of Dr. B's well it's a the, CBD lozenge so it technically it's an, yeah it's an edible yeah it technically a, shouldn't yeah. have gotten her high if it's only CBD but she gets really high <laughs> and then she goes you're right it is gay <laughs> <laughs> sort of like stuff like that where it's not uh where like the queerness is just sort of 
everywhere. It's not, here's the one special episode, and then the, her queerness is no longer relevant. Yeah. Or queer yeah. culture or queer references are no longer brought in, you know? Exactly. I, I know. It's mm-hmm. just kind of, like, fun little lines, and I, I feel like more shows should, like, learn to, like, pick up on that and do those things. Like, you don't have to have, like, a mm-hmm. queer-centric storyline in every episode um, with your queer characters. You just... Yeah. Just remind us that they're queer. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. I have kind of like a, a test I do for shows with queer characters where I'm like, mm-hmm. if I pick out any episode, will I know that that character is queer? Ooh. And a lot of them fail that test. A lot of them do Ooh. because they'll only mention it in queer centric plot line episodes, um, which sometimes are few and far in between. This is like, we, should, we need like some kind of like a queer Bechtel test. Do we mm. know that this person's queer? Some kind of criteria to figure out is this person actually queer or are they only queer in episode three? Right, right, right. And then like, you know, to make sure certain tropes are absent for um, Mm -hmm. queer men versus queer women storylines. I wish we could have a test for non-binary storylines, but Mm -hmm. we have so few of them. Actually, yeah, Sid is the only one, is the only non-binary character that's like on our radar right now of of all the shows that we watch. So Yeah, and I I should, I probably have like, misgendered them actually thinking about it because I refer to them as a lesbian couple yeah I mean I think queer couple is is the appropriate term right right? because I mean yeah yeah, you can't say lesbian or same-sex couple another one-liner that definitely gives away that there are queer people on the writing team Elena makes a reference to cosplaying and Winona oh my god It, it was it was in the uh in the outside episode actually that we were just talking about um because Penelope finds out about Alex's finsta and then <laughs> and then Elena says oh mine is just me cosplaying Winona Earp and Penelope goes you said a lot of words that sound fake but okay <laughs> <laughs> yes not only is she definitely gay she's definitely a fangirl one of the writers on the writing team is also definitely a Winona Earp oh, fangirl yeah, yeah. too I mean Selena in general as a couple are like huge fan people i mean like in many episodes across the three seasons they're huge they're fucking nerds and that's why they're like my favorite ship i just love them so much and i relate oh. to them a lot i also love when elena was like oh mom you can follow my my finsta and penelope was like no one wants to see your nerdy crap elena <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. oh man Flash forward to Valentine's mm, Day. Mm, mm. I thought that was just ridiculously funny, that episode. Oh my God. Where I they know. come, like, where Sid and Elena come out and they've got like two giant, like, it looks like they're tits on their heads. Yes. <laughs> like, flaming red tits <sighs> on their heads. And they're supposed to be hearts. Yeah. Because Elena has roped them into doing some kind of a 5K for like heart health or something like that. She always has to turn every opportunity. Uh, into like a social justice moment right yeah um, she doesn't want to give into like the the capitalism of of valentine's day and keeps mocking the the couples who are, who I are know. participating in it and then sid i love how sid is constantly hinting at like benihana's <laughs> i know sid is so adorable in that episode in the valentine's day yeah. episode because it's so clear that they just want to enjoy themselves mm-hmm. and elena's just there to shut it down yeah and Elena, like, doesn't even see it at all. She, like, doesn't realize <laughs> that Sid literally just wants to go have dinner at Benihana's. <laughs> I know. And, like, Elena's, like, definitely classic, like, feminist killjoy. Uh-huh. And poor Sid is just like, listen, I'm happy. I want to do happy things. Let's go and do, like, a traditional Valentine's Day. Let's be cute. Let's do all this. Uh, I want to know what color makes my eyes pop. Because when you go back to episode one, when Pilar was talking about the phases of being gay, I feel like this is very much one of them where you're like, 
you're out and you're proud and you want to be active and do all the cool like activist stuff and then as you get older I feel like most most people not everybody gets to a point where they're like you know what I just want to like enjoy things (laughs) not everything has to be like a cause and I just love that Sid is the person who gets Elena to that point I also like that Elena as the sort of feminist killjoy it's not just that she's a killjoy to straight people necessarily, Mm -hmm. but sometimes to her own partner. Towards the end of the episode, where they have their little, like, argument, and then they start to make up, uh, that's when they first exchange the love word. They exchange their I "I love yous. It's so cute. And Elena gives Sid the cutest and nerdiest card, and I cannot believe I would have never... Like, when I saw it, I was like, wow, never in a million years would I have ever thought that up? And I feel like I think of some pretty punny things. She gives them a non-binary heart card. No wonder Sid said, I love you in that moment. I mean, they were probably just like overwhelmed with the like the thought and love that went into that card. Ultimate nerdtastic. (sighs) Like, because it's like zeros and ones everywhere in the card, except for the heart Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where there are other numbers. I'm like, oh my God. Wow, they, the, the way that they put something nerdy anywhere you can put anything yeah. on the show to like to really like send home the message like these two are fucking nerds. Yeah, I know. I love it. So not only are there queer people writing the show, there are some fucking nerds writing the show. Yes, for <laughs> sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the episode after Valentine's Day is my number one favorite episode of this season. For obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> yep. Not only do Elena and Sid have sex for the first time, but they talk about it. They go through a mm. whole process. And this is what I love about it. I was rewatching the scene, um, the hotel scene before we started recording, and I almost started crying again because obviously I was crying the first time I watched it. All tears of joy. I can't, I can't believe this is like on TV, it, like in my lifetime for me to see. Like teenagers talking about having sex for the first time queer teens oh my god like this is this is like everything I could have possibly wanted to see before having sex for the first time like when Mm -hmm. I was a teenager this is also my favorite episode of the entire season (sighs) and I suspect that I suspect that for most queer people this is also their favorite episode Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um because all the the fear uh the the shame and the excitement around your first time having sex with someone is all there. When Elena finds out that Sid has had sex before, I honestly felt like a tiny dagger had oh, pierced my heart. I gasped. I did, <laughs> I did the full gay gasp, like loud <gasps> and proud. Like, <gasps> yeah. let's briefly run through the timeline of okay, this sure, sure, sure. amazing, <laughs> amazing scene. First, Sid says, let me put on some sexy music and they turn on the X-Files theme song. Ah! Then they go over their safe word, which is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> I know. I know. Then they both exchange enthusiastic consent, which is important for a later point. Then they have the talk about, you know, Elena, like, almost jokingly asks, when's the last time you were tested? And Sid admits that she was actually tested before. And so the focus on that is about the fact that she had actually had sex before and Elena didn't know that and it was really hard mm-hmm. for her to hear. But I also really like the fact that they talked about queer people, especially like queer women. I mean, I don't know how to like word that appropriately, but like, like need to get tested. I feel like there's this like yeah. weird myth or like stigma in the queer women community that 
we don't need to get tested. And a mm-hmm. lot of it is from misinformation that's perpetuated by our healthcare professionals. Our own doctors yes. will tell us that, you know, we can't contract anything from each other yeah. or whatever. This is a lie. Like we yeah. should all be getting tested if we're sexually active. End of story. Mm-hmm. The one thing that disappointed me about this episode was how they dealt with STIs in the conversation between Penelope and her lesbian friend, mm. um, Ramona. Because Penelope goes up to Ramona. She's freaking out about the fact that Elaine is sexually active. And Ramona <laughs> assures her that it's like basically risk-free. Obviously, if Sid and Elaine are both virgins, I would say that that's risk-free. Right. It is not 100% risk-free between two people with vaginas or two people with genitals, period. I'm with you there. I think it's really frustrating that queer people and queer women don't in general, don't think it's necessary to see a gynecologist or don't think it's necessary to talk to a provider about, you know, getting Mm -hmm. tested Um, or that providers think they don't need to bother testing them. Yeah. I mean, I've had my own doctor tell me that luckily I already knew from before that that's not true. I was just shocked that she, that she said that Mm -hmm. because up until that point, I felt like she was like a really good physician and like was always giving me really good information. Just to like quickly break down a couple of myths. You did say previously that like, if they're both virgins, it's risk-free. That's technically not true you can have oh. STIs it's because sexually transmitted infections are not explicitly sexually transmitted oh, um, just because yes. they can be transmitted sexually doesn't mean they are only transmitted sexually so some people do have what are categorized technically as STIs even if they didn't have any sort of sexual contact the other thing is it's true that most forms of I'm sorry I don't know the best way to say this but like two female presenting people or bodies having any sort of sexual contact uh, is a lower risk. That doesn't mean no risk. So you should still get tested. And most schools offer some sort of like testing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to get mine done through my grad school clinic. Planned Parenthood is also a great place to go. Like there are plenty of resources um, for most people, I should say. I know it's not like available in all parts of the country, but Just wanted Mm -hmm. to plug my little PSA. No, I hear you. And the other thing to recognize is that uh, lesbians and queer women or trans people are understudied in health research. And so, and so there just isn't a lot of information. And so there, there's not a whole lot of great research out there on the topic. But I think you can talk to each other and like, you know, figure out how to have safer sex and get tested and like make that a part of the conversation. Um, And I think we've all been guilty of like not wanting to bring it up. And like sort of letting it slide because it's, it might feel unsexy, but super cute the way they had that exchange. And then, yeah. of course, the devastation. Elena so, realizing she's the virgin, but not Sid. I mean, I just love the way that was done because I felt like the way she was thinking through it was like very re- realistic and relatable. The best part about it is that when Sid, you know, tries to like calm her down and reassure her, she says, like, we don't have to do this today. We don't have to do it this year. We don't have to do it at all if that's what you want. And I love that because it gives a prime example of somebody giving enthusiastic consent and then like rescinding it Mm -hmm. and their partner being okay with it. I mean, that's like, like, that's what it looks like. Sometimes you go into it like guns blazing, but, (laughs) (laughs) and then of course the truly, truly nerdy moment in case there hadn't been enough evidence of nerdiness. um, Sid says, there's a Harry Potter marathon on and I brought every birdie bots, every flavor beans just in case. Oh my God. I <laughs> and love that's what that. got Elena's guns going again. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I just love that. Sid's response to everything that Elena was going through was so mature. 
and so compassionate. Wow. To just give your partner the space and the safety to say no. Also, it was really endearing to see Elena's insecurities. She says, you're going to see me naked. I know. You think this is why this has never seen the sun. And you're yeah. talking about the lower half of her body. <laughs> <laughs> you know, another example of how this show like really brilliantly mixes in comedy with their like very serious moments. But yeah, overall, this scene was like so good, so touching. I'm just like so happy that they talked about this. And that part of the story was also Penelope trying to figure out how do I deal with this? Like finding out that my daughter is sexually active. I don't know anything about the kind of sex that she's having or what to tell her. And so she goes to her lesbian Yoda Ramona. I feel like this is like a good episode, both for queer kids and parents of queer kids. I really wish that I had had a show like this when I was a kid. Oh my God, yes. I think actually last year, uh, like we might've talked about how we wanted to see Elena and Sid develop some kind of sexual relationship, but we weren't sure what they would actually show us. One day at a time, I think showed us just enough and showed us just the important parts. Yes. Uh, Like these are still kids. I don't need to see them. Like I don't need to see the actual sex scene. This isn't really Uh, real. (laughs) No, no, we don't need that. All the like build up to it and the processing of emotions and then Elena's fear of being naked in front of another person. Mm -hmm. Those are all real things that people go through before they decide to have sex with someone. And usually when we get sex scenes or like sex storylines around teenagers, we don't talk about all that insecurity. It's just the two, it's just like two teenagers jumping into bed together. Yeah. Hormones blazing. They're like, all right, let's go. (laughs) They don't have a talk. They don't, they don't share their fears, but this was like legit. Also to have all this lesbian processing. I mean, this was just like very, very queer. It was like Mm -hmm. maximally queer for a first time. Processing is our foreplay. It actually is. (laughs) Sharing feelings, opening up, Mm, you know? mm, Yeah. (laughs) Tell me your greatest fear. It's like, yeah. yeah. This episode was my favorite episode of the season because of Penelope's face when she realized Elena was having sex. Justine Machado is just brilliant as an actress here. She, without saying a word, but with just her eyes and her face. Yeah. Like, goes through several stages of, like, fear, sadness, disbelief. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then she, like, slowly, like, walks away. She's like, we will circle back to this. And then, yeah. she, and then Elena's like, where are you going, Mom? Penelope goes, I don't quite know. And she just closes the door behind her. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the funniest moment of the season for me. I died laughing. Yeah. Number one episode of the season for both of us. Question. So... Penelope says that there's only one ground rule with Elena, that Mm -hmm. Elena is not allowed to have her bedroom door closed when Sid is over. Right. I want to ask you, what do you think that's reasonable? Yeah, I think that's reasonable. It seems like the kind of ground rule she would have for Elena if Elena were dating guys. You know, like you can have them over, but the door has to stay open. I'm just wondering, but like, how are they supposed to have sex? I'm just confused. Well, I think that point was that she doesn't want them having sex. For me, thinking back to like how I was raised, I would never, ever have had sex in the house if my parents were there. Yes. You know what I mean? Because that was basically the point of the rule. It's like, if we're all at home, like you can't have the door closed. Oh, I see. Because I thought that this also ruled out if Alana and Sid were home alone. Maybe that was also her intention, but it's also like, how would she know if the door were open I mean, or closed but if they weren't I'm home? just thinking the struggle. Alana and Sid had no privacy, and they're just ready to, like, do more than light kissing. Yeah, but um, that's how all teenagers are, isn't it? I mean, it's like, you know, we all found a way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. 
thing. Like, young mm-hmm. people will go to great lengths to have sex. And you don't want them caught by the police because they're doing it in a car, you know? Right. Like, I'm just saying. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'm not really sure how Sid's home life is or they, like, take turns, like, hanging out at each other's houses. But I guess I, that wasn't really my primary concern because I just feel like Penelope's goal isn't to make sure that they have adequate time to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably hoping that they just, like, you know, don't really do it Listen. Like, that often, but... They saved up all that money from playing in their Magic the Gathering League so that they could pay for that hotel room. And I'm thinking, like, how many more, how, like, how much more money are they going to have to make from, like, card games? I know, to, I know. To pay for another hotel room. I didn't really think, th- think about that, I guess. I just thought, like, most parents don't really want their kids, like, having sex when they're in the house. I think I'm just, like, really sympathizing with our horny teenagers and just thinking, oh, like, yeah. man, this is going to be hard. Yeah. This is going to be really hard. Teenagers always find a way, so. Oh, my God. And, like, neither of them has cars. I'm sorry. I'm just, like, I'm just thinking about how, well, how is Selena going to have sex? This is going to segue nicely into the next episode where okay. Elena <laughs> starts taking driving lessons mm-hmm. from Dr. B. And I love this because I don't know where this meme came from that gay people can't drive or gay people are bad at driving. But our little lesbian starlet is going to defy all stereotypes. <laughs> And learn how to drive. So I'm guessing that means she's, she's just now 16. No, she's 17, turning... remember? Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. She's yeah, 17 right. because Penelope lost her virginity at 17 and a half. She's getting a car. Maybe, maybe that, that was what she was thinking. It's like, oh, I got to get a car so we have somewhere to have sex. <laughs> Basically. That or a public park. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> Come on. It's not all right. That's like zero to 100. I'm like, I feel for them. Yeah, I don't know. I mean bathrooms at school or something jesus that's not hygienic oh my god what they don't have to be on the floor i don't know look all right we're not gonna go into the details of how these two have sex but i'm just saying it helps when you both use the same restroom um (laughs) thanks amira yeah no problem pro tip yeah (laughs) you can fill in the blanks briefly two other things i really liked that they showed of course still talking about like the mental health issues and stigma surrounding mental health. I feel like this is really, really, really great to talk about, especially with POC families. There's like broad spectrum culture of anti like mental health stigma. Penelope is seen having like anxiety attacks. Her um, therapy group encourages her to tell her kids about it. um, And she says she doesn't want to. And then we see that Elena also is having anxiety attacks Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Penelope realizes that it would actually be really helpful if she talked about it with her kids. And so Alex, who's still grounded, sees how his mom handles his sister's anxiety attack and then really steps up as a brother and helps Elena with her anxiety attack right before taking her driving test. And I just felt like that was a really, really cute, like sweet moment. Mm, one of, one of yeah. my favorite moments of the season was, was Alex like talking Elena down. Queer people are, like, much more likely to have mental health conditions mm-hmm, compared mm-hmm. to straight people. LGBTQ people in general have higher rates of depression, anxiety, PTSD, etc., etc., etc. This is a queer woman of color who's dealing with anxiety issues and whose mom also has anxiety disorder. Because it's very common in our community. So I'm, I'm, like, glad. And now they can support each other and talk openly about it. And it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Everything's a family affair on this show, and I love it. And then I also really like the episode about Schneider's dad, even though it was like obviously very Schneider and like white people centric in general, like the Me Too uh, episode. It's like they were educating Schneider about gentrification, but not like making it about 
him learning about it. You know what I mean? It was about, mm. it was still about the Alvarez family and like, what are they going to do if so, he sells the building? I'm actually going to say that the gentrification episode was my second favorite episode of the, wow. of okay. the season okay. um, because I thought it was so intelligently put together. The reality is that we're in season three. Schneider's whiteness and his wealth and his status as a landlord was always going to come up. The, the power differential was always there. So as much as Schneider is a part of the family, he also wields power. He owns the building. Right. And I think they had to acknowledge that. And, I, and Schneider had to sort of make a decision about what kind of white person he wants to be. Yeah. And yeah. not only what kind of white person he wants to be, but what kind of chosen family member he wants mm. to be to the Alvarez family. And I think that moment at the end where he chooses to keep things as they are to protect his, the tenants and to protect the Alvarez family instead of taking the option that would have helped him rebuild his relationship with his biological father. Mm -hmm. That chosen family moment was what really sort of sold the episode for me because I yeah. thought it was so beautiful to have him make a choice like that. And, you know, in the beginning of the series, I wasn't wild about Schneider as a character because he was a little bit obnoxious. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you, we've come to see over the course of multiple episodes in this season in particular where he plays a supportive role to Penelope when she's going through her anxiety attacks or panic attacks, and to other characters as well, where, you know, he's really there for the family. Mm -hmm. He's a family member, and he shows up for them regularly. And I think he was faced with a very difficult decision. And you're right that they didn't just focus on the white male character and the burden of having to make this choice, but on the impact it would have on the Alvarez family. Right. I mentioned this storyline to a friend of mine, and they're like, but that's not real life. And I'm like, okay, fine, it's not real life. Like, it's well, not real life that white people choose not to gentrify. In real life, stuff like this probably is not commonplace. But one day at a time, I think what it does so well is, like, tell us about, like, the harsh realities of the world that we live in, but also give us something to believe in. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, yeah, it's not real life, but also the rich uh, guy who owns the building isn't usually, like, a self-appointed adoptee of... <laughs> Yeah, you know, a like working class Cuban family that lives in his exactly. building. So it was realistic in terms of like, okay, if, if that guy had that kind of relationship with the family, you know, what would he choose? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I agree. That's true. It yeah. kind of gives us something to be happy about. You know, yeah. it's like, we know that's not how it always is. But and, yeah, and the reality is that like, rich white dudes like Schneider typically never interact with sort of like a Latinx family like this, a single right. mom, you know, right. with a multi generational household, like you don't see rich white guys doing that. And one thing that like might be a critique of this episode is that like why does maybe not a critique of the episode, but like just like a sort of thought is like, why do rich white men have to be friends with people of color in order mm. to make the right choice? I mean, it's a little bit answered in the in the story, because until then, he never really had to think about it. I mean, he was telling mm. them as if it's good news. Because he didn't he doesn't know the extent of their finances. Like he literally doesn't know what it's like not to be rich. Like yeah. not even just to be like well off or middle class, but yeah. rich. So yeah. he was like, Oh, this is even better. You can actually own the apartment mm -hmm. and blah blah blah. And they're like, No, that's not how this is gonna work for us. And he yeah. just like he doesn't get it. That was really smart because 
Uh, I think the perception among wealthy people is that like, oh, well, a mortgage payment and the rent payment are the same amount. And so they don't think about how much do you need for a down payment, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like you have to have cash on hand. And a lot of poor people just don't have that. And that's why it's always more expensive to be poor than it is to be rich. Yeah, it costs you more. You pay more in rent over the long haul, but you can't Mm -hmm. afford to buy the place either. Um, And it kind of reminds me of like when rich people are like, well, if poor people hate their neighborhoods, why don't they just leave? And it's like, (laughs) it costs money to move. Right. Realize that, right? Exactly. Um, Okay, so in a lot of the stories, it's like they have to know somebody in XYZ minority group to understand their struggles and to sympathize with them. But in a lot of cases, they already know, but they just don't care because it doesn't affect them or anyone Mm. they know personally until they do know them personally. But in this case, Schneider had to know the family because he literally just like somebody had to tell him that that's how it was. And again, it's unfortunate that, you know, he grew up like sheltered and privileged but it is the reality of a lot of people. I mean, like, everybody has sheltered privilege about some issue that affects another community, right? Mm. Like, it's easy to look at the rich white guy and be like, oh, why doesn't he know this? This is such common knowledge. But, like, I'm sure there are a ton of, like, issues in the trans community or the disabled community that, like, I don't mm. know about just because, yeah, yeah. you know, it hasn't been brought to my attention. And I don't know. I feel like this is a really good example of, like, almost like telling white people like look this is why you should have more have a more diverse friend group or like you know what i mean Mm. schneider sees these people as his family and as Mm -hmm. humans first and foremost and that's um how everything comes together like this is going to have a real impact on these people that i care deeply about that was a really strong episode for me and in general actually i thought that the way they dealt with schneider's alcoholism was also pretty um that was uh pretty moving and touching so i'm glad that they that they gave that issue attention. And they briefly gave him the backstory, which sort of also further explains why he's so close to that family, which is that, you know, Mm -hmm. they gave him a chance after he was recovering from his addiction. He really loved them back for that, for like trusting him enough. Enough about Schneider. (laughs) Enough about Schneider. Like, but speaking of redemption, I think we need to talk about what happened in the season finale. If you remember, uh, Elena was like completely ditched by her father at her quinceanera Mm. at her father's wedding with his new wife who is a penelope twin yeah Uh, (laughs) that's hilarious by the way also the penelope twin is played by she's the um showrunner the showrunner yeah 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 and and the the show is based on her family so really it's that penelope looks like her (laughs) yeah gloria calderon kellett that's who it was yeah, I was um, just yeah. Up too. so she is the showrunner and she like sort of guest stars as the Penelope lookalike like there's a scene where it's I think it's really great and again another instance where Alex is a great brother to mm-hmm. his queer sister like she she's already given her toast and in the toast she only said positive things about her dad and then she and Alex are alone and she gives the like and she gives the speech that she wished she had given instead where she talks about the pain that she went through and, and Alex just sort of listens so that she can get this out. And mm-hmm. that, that was a really great sibling moment. And then when Elena comes back to the wedding, her dad takes the microphone, offers to have the dance they didn't get to have at Elena's quinceanera. Yeah. He, I mean, uh, he apologizes first he and apologizes, for, yeah. for not being there for her. I, I don't know. I, yeah, I was sobbing, obviously, <laughs> during that scene. <laughs> like the whole Schneider gentrification thing, even if it's not realistic, it was just giving us something to be happy about that mm-hmm. Elena could, you know, finally close that chapter and like, you know, forgive her father and 
they could have like a positive relationship moving forward. And homophobic parents can come around. You know, we Mm -hmm. saw how he Mm -hmm. was in season one. Yeah. Um, He was like, he was a shit dad. Everybody knows it. Um, And then he uses this moment. He, first of all, he encourages uh, Elena to wear the tux. Uh, Elena says, I don't want to wear a dress. And yeah, um, well, no, she says, she's like, well, I'm going to wear my, my suit. Yeah. My suit. I think she says like from the quinceanera, she says, I'm going to wear my suit. And he goes, no, you can't. And she's like ready to get upset. And he's like, because then you can't wear a tux. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, so cute. Oh yeah, my God. He, I was, like, he came around, he supported her and he owned up to his mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just love that they gave his character a chance at redemption um, with that final scene. You know, the pain is still there, but he's not going to ignore it. And then I think it was just a very healing moment. And also hilarious when the doctor comes up and start, he tries it's to about dance to be, with them. Like, he's like, oh, is this a group hug? Oh, not this time? Okay, back yeah, to yeah. I really like how they resolved the Victor storyline in general because I was worried that they were going to try to do this like, will they, won't they with Penelope. And I, you know, low-key, even if he did change or improve, I didn't really want the end result to be that like she took him back. Sometimes they present an issue or a storyline or something and I'm like, oh, you know, I can think of like how I don't want this to turn out, but I can't really think of how I do want it to turn out. And then they write, <laughs> they write the perfect ending where I'm like, damn, that, that's it. That is how I wanted it to turn out. You know, like he has this like Penelope lookalike wife who Penelope like wants to hate, but she can't. She's just great. And, you know, they get along really well. And then, you know, Elena forgives him and he's like admitting to like all of his faults and blah, blah, blah. I mean, God, like, could it really get any better? They just wrapped it up with a nice bow. And to have it be a public apology, not a private one, because the damage that he did to Elena was in public. It was in front of all of the people in uh, in their community it mm-hmm. was in front and many of the, of the people who were family. at that wedding yeah exactly and so and, and so it's not just that you know he doesn't just owe an apology to elena in private in order for him to redeem himself he has to sort of admit to it in front of all the pe- very people who he committed that shameful act in front of yes absolutely. Um, like being absent during his daughter's quinceanera so really wonderful way to sort of resolve the victor storyline and to give Elena the healing that she deserves yeah so needless to say we are dying for the season to get renewed especially because they left us on this crazy cliffhanger where Lydia and Dr. B went to Cuba together I don't know Lydia swore she would never go back Mm -hmm. I mean come on I'm like please I need I need to see that story I need to hear that story oh my god I'm just so excited I I want the show to come back for for every possible reason I love Mm -hmm. all of these characters I love the actors and the writers for bringing them to life. I mean, I can't say enough about the show. I feel like it is probably one of my favorite TV shows of all time wow. at this point. Yeah. Three I seasons mean, in. Wow. I mean, I love that Penelope stays single by the end of the season. Yeah. She has her degree. She's now a nurse practitioner. Yeah. And she doesn't end up sticking with that guy, Mateo. And she has a moment where, she, where her ex from the previous season sort of comes back and they have an intimate dance, but she's like, no, we're moving forward. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I generally like storylines where straight women stay single. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where it's like where they don't settle. You know what yes. I mean? Like they went through some relationships and there were problems. The relationships ended and they ended for a reason. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's like a more healthy depiction of how dating should be. Okay. So <laughs> let's, let's assume best case scenario, the show gets renewed for a new season. Mm-hmm. What would you like to see happen in season four for Sid and Elena? 
for Sid and Elena. So was this their senior year then? I think because... it's the junior year. Because okay. so I'm thinking... she's, t- she's getting ready for exams, isn't she? she... Yeah, well... yeah. I'm hoping slash expecting to see a scene where they have the conversation about going to college. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether or not they go to the same college, whether or not they stay in a relationship. I'm definitely expecting them to talk about that. But yeah. I'm like also sort of dreading it because I don't want to see them break up. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I mean, the, the, okay, for sure I think it's junior year because if Elena was in her senior year, this whole season would have been about her going yeah, to college. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, yeah, and agree. I think that's season four is going to be about Elena getting ready to go to, go to college, applying, mm-hmm. potentially being rejected and disappointed, or potentially being thrilled at being accepted to a dream school, right. or having to change her dreams altogether and, you know, reconfigure what her life might look like being long distance with Sid. Because I think Sid and Elena are in the same year. I mm-hmm. assume they are. I don't know if Sid is older or not. I don't remember any references to them being in different grades. Yeah, I'm guessing if Sid was older, then Elena would have spent the season freaking out about how Sid is graduating. So true. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah. I just like knowing their characters. I think Elena would would be freaking out regardless. Um, yeah. So we saw a little bit of that when Elena had that anxiety attack, where mm-hmm. she was, um, you know, being rejected by that all men acapella group. So I think what we're gonna see is like Sid and Elena try to navigate you know, what do you do with a high school romance when two, when the both of you go to school, you know? Mm-hmm. And how do TV shows deal with that? Usually they send you to the same ass school or you go to school in the same town that you grew up mm-hmm. and that way you don't actually have to leave, right? And they're in, yeah. they're in California, so it wouldn't be completely outrageous for Elena to go to a school um, that is still close to home. But yeah, she clearly has... like UCs, but yeah, if, she's, yeah. if she has her sights set on the yeah. Ivy League... So I think that if next se- if if we get a season four and season four ends up being the last season, mm-hmm. then Elena will probably go to an out of state school. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I feel like they they could continue the seasons even with her at college because the season could take place just like when she's home for the summer or something like that. <gasps> oh, you know? yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm I'm eager for these kids to grow up, and I want to see Sid and Elena go through all the emotions, the heartbreak, the crying, the yeah. I miss you's, the fear of, like, not being able to find someone as cool as your significant other. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, because Sid is pretty amazing, and, yeah, um, and Sid is so wildly in love with Elena. It's really cute. Um, it is. <sighs> sometimes I have to cover my face. They're too cute. Do you know what I mean? Like, I do. It, I do. I, I'll, I'll just, like, squeal constantly. <laughs> During yeah. scenes. <laughs> it's sort of like when a light is too bright, you can't look directly at it. Like, But it's so beautiful. Yeah. When <laughs> queers are too cute and too awkward, I can't look directly at it. It I like know. burns my eyes, but like I'm enjoying the burning sensation too. Right, right. It's, and because it feels so authentic, I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. God, this is too real. I have to hide right now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They continue to be my number one favorite ship of all time. So that, that, this was a whole lot in mm-hmm, one podcast mm-hmm. episode. We hope you made it through and we hope you're doing the same thing that we are, which is bugging as many people as possible to watch this show. Yeah. And you should also, if you have watched it, rewatch it. Rewatch earlier seasons. Rewatch this last third season. Just, you know, anything to get the views up. Netflix because... is really, fec- like, it, Netflix is really fucking with us mm-hmm. with this whole, it might be canceled. I'm like, what do you want to do? What are you trying to do? You're like stowing panic. In the family. I know, I know. Yeah, it's too much. So I really hope that this like social media campaign works and people are actually going to be watching it. But 
we saw definitely like proof at Clexicon that white gays specifically tend to sleep on um, POC ships, uh, which is unfortunate. But I'm I'm also feeling like with this ship specifically, a lot of POC gays are also not mm-hmm. like aware of it. That's like the yeah. weird. It's like they don't even know about the show. Yeah. P.S. So. The actor who plays Sid is also going to be at Clexicon this year. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully by our next podcast episode, we will have some kind of answer as to whether or not this show gets renewed. But for our next episode, we're going to go back to recapping Charmed because we should get a new episode by then, right? Yes, we'll get mm-hmm. a new episode next week of Charmed and Black Lightning, I want to say. I think so, but we're yeah. just not sure how much, you know, Thunder Grace content. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. but uh, thanks for joining us for this uh, season-long recap of One Day at a Time. Mm -hmm. Tune in next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye.